Hello, my name is Miles Emanuel. Welcome to Back to Question, where our guest today is Siobhan, 23, from South East London, and he will be casting his votes on the EU referendum on the 23rd of June. Like many young people, Siobhan will be joining the sometimes acrimonious debate as to whether or not Britain will remain in the European Union. As a history graduate employed as an account manager, Siobhan comes from a family where politics played a major part in every aspect of their lives. His parents, grandparents, both suffered under the South African apartheid regime, which eventually led to their relocation to London. Now, with only five days to go, I want to talk to Siobhan on what he knew about the EU. Yeah, uh, I'm Siobhan. I'm a uh, history graduate and I work as an account manager in video games. Right. And uh, how old are you? I'm 23. Right. 23. Okay. Cool. It's a good age. It is a very good age. <laughs> so tell me, Siobhan, mm -hmm. what do you know about the EU? Well, uh, I studied a bit of it in history. So um, uh, it was formed after the fallout of World War II, primarily to stop the uh, rise of nationalism and extremism again, uh, to combat basically everything Hitler did and Mussolini. Um, I know that Britain joined in 1973 and that it's been working ever since, to an extent. <laughs> so then what was um, the referendum about then? This current referendum? Yeah. Uh, it's basically about whether we want to remain in the EU or leave. And which party are you? I'm, I'm for all for remaining in the EU. Mainly because, I mean, I think that the people who want to leave the Brexit campaign is essentially about immigration. I think immigration is, is a very divisive topic, and I think that is something we need to discuss more in Parliament. But to have such a knee-jerk reaction to it, to leave the EU, is a massive, massive overreaction. I think I think it should be viewed with discussions in Parliament. As a Parliament, I think people with both parties need to sit down and discuss it sensibly, without people like Nigel Farage getting involved. I mean, Farage was compared to Unipol uh, uh, by uh, Chukamuna a few days ago, and I think that just tells you everything you need to know about the Brexit campaign. You have people like Boris Johnson getting involved, and. Boris Johnson is someone who I do not like at all, <laughs> primarily because I think that he uses his personality and public image to relay this message of a charming, almost um, willful, kind of bumbling gentleman, but at the same time, he, his views are very dangerous. I think that that falls underneath his perception, his facade, if you will. So, so you've described yourself as a socialist, so <laughs> what's your opinion of Boris? Boris Johnson, well, uh, in uni, I went to the University of Brunel. He became MP for Uxbridge, the, 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 the uh, constituency. I remember there was this huge fan for about him, and he won very easily to become MP there. But at the same time, I mean, I've never been a fan of his. He's, his idolization of someone like Winston Churchill, who, although a brilliant wartime leader, take nothing away from the man, hero, hero to the country and to Europe, was a dreadful, woeful politician who just made blunder after blunder. He was the reason the Singapore strategy failed. Uh, the reason why the British Navy was defeated soundly in the East in World War II. And um, before that, he was a failed politician. He forced on the board to rectify his mistakes. Not a very good sea lord. So, I mean, to idolise a man whose main basis is that of a hero during war and not his accomplishments in politics is, um, is a bit worrying. So, that's my opinion on Boris Johnson. So, then conversely, the fact that you are a socialist. Yep. Then, and the fact that... Uh as we said, that David Cameron is actually for the Remain campaign. How yeah. does that make you feel? You know, I think the perception would be that it would make me feel uncomfortable. But looking at it from a, um, a very unbiased viewpoint, I think it's something that's very, very good for the general well-being of the country. Primarily because we want unity. Disunity in any state is something that should be avoided. I know it's ideological and it's an idealistic way of viewing things, but 
we should strive more for unity than disunity. Uh, we've been divided as it is by conservative principles in regards to the NHS. I mean, we saw the fallout from that recently. We don't want that. We want a nation that's almost looking at the American viewpoint, a one nation under God. I know we're not very religious, but we want that principle to ring true. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm all for Cameron supporting Bre the, the Remain campaign. I think that it's one way to rectify his mistakes that he's made. You know, so yeah, I'm, I'm quite surprisingly okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, speaking of um, seeing it from the other side, um, yep. you mentioned that um, now that you've um, graduated um, doing your degree in history, mm -hmm. you now have a job. Yeah. So, and you were mentioning before how that's, you know, being a, a socialist, mm. you can actually see kind of the other side of why people are, in your words, selfish? I mean, I use selfish as a term purely because I, I couldn't think of a better word to phrase it with, but... When you bring in your own money, you want to be very protective of it. Anyone would. It's, it's a natural, natural inclination. But I think that with, um, in regards to people voting primarily on economic and financial status and well-being, um, Marx, the Marxist theory of reification comes into play. Uh, you become reified by your job, you become reified by the identity of it. For instance, if I'm an accountant, I'll identify myself as such. However, I think that that transgresses all individual characteristics of the person. Um, I think politics is something that's incredibly personal. I think that this vote will form, the basis of this vote will form on the individual's ethical and moral background. But I also do believe that finance, finance and economics and personal well-being will also play a part in it, which is something that can't be helped. I mean, it's natural. As we mentioned before uh, we started recording, it's, it's something that I think it will always play a part in any decision in someone's life, especially after they've graduated and when they've taken upon the responsibility for themselves. Just so I could clarify a few things. Mm -hmm. so are you trying to say that this is more... What is this referendum about? Is this supposed to be a more political one or is it supposed to be an uh, economic one? That's a good question. I mean, it, it's dependent on the viewpoint of who um, you're focusing on, I think. I think that someone like Boris Johnson championing the Brexit campaign, we must question whether his motive is, to pu is purely economical or, or political. For me, I think Boris is being purely political. He wants to become the leader of the Conservative Party after Cameron leaves. Therefore, he's championing this, this campaign to be viewed as, um, as a hero to, to, the, to the backbenchers who want to leave the EU and the Conservative Party. That will immediately gain him support. I mean, you're more likely to vote with someone who you know stood with you, you know, was taking grenades in the trenches, if you will. Uh, whereas I think other people view it from an economic standpoint and... Um, it's, it's, it's very divided at that point, which makes it all the more interesting as a debate, because you have different viewpoints coming into play, you have people trying to put on, as I mentioned, a facade to gain more followers and viewers in that regard. And yeah, overall, I just think it's a combination of the two, dependent on the individual. Alright, so when it, as it all comes down to it, mm -hmm. all boils down to it, what would Britain look like if we left? Describe it to me. Well, um, I've heard a lot of talk and I've read a lot of talk about Britain adopting the Norwegian stance in regards to the economy and trade in Europe. So I think if we left, we'd try to fit into that kind of standard, if you will. We'd lose every represent representative right we have in the EU. We wouldn't be able to make decisions, we wouldn't be able to have a voice, a proverbial voice, so to speak, but we still fall under their regulations. Uh, Farage speaks highly about it. I think that if we do leave, we would be in a weaker position than we are. We would lose the power of the European Union. Um, recently, we've had fantastic trade relations with North America. Um, Africa, Latin America, I think we'd lose that. We'd become more isolated. I mean, if you, if you look back in history, whenever Britons tried to adopt an isolation stance, Disraeli and Lord Salisbury did it with the splendid isolation. What happened there? 
Britain was a superpower, the only superpower at the time, and why did it fail? It failed because we couldn't adopt that stance because trade is so important to us. We're an island. We need resources to come in. We need to be able to trade freely and to do so whilst also uh, maximizing our returns. If Disraeli and um, Salisbury couldn't do it, two of the greatest, in my opinion, politicians of the, of the era, then I have no faith in Cameron being able to pull it off. I have no faith in Boris Johnson being able to pull it off. That's a purely historical standpoint, I believe. How will this affect you, if at all? If, mm, that, that's, that's, that's a good question, again. Um, I think given my relative, my, my, my relative um, emergence, recent emergence into earning, if you will, <laughs> Uh, I don't think it'll affect me that much, but I think it will affect my family, people who I've known for a long time. I think it'll affect the general economy. I think in regards to a few years' time, where I'm older and in different positions and uh, I would have more experience in the workplace under my belt, it will definitely affect me, especially considering that we're closing a lot of our links to Europe. And now, I mean, if I wanted to, I could have accepted a role in anywhere in mainland Europe upon graduation. I could have gone to Amsterdam, I could have gone to Munich, I could have gone to Frankfurt, I could have gone to Rome, I could have gone to Madrid, you know? Um, Language notwithstanding, obviously, because I don't speak a lot of foreign languages, that many. But yeah, it's, it's something that would greatly affect me, especially if someone who's young. Yeah, you mentioned um, family was like the first thing you mm. said, so not even um, yourself. So mm. would you mind just telling me a bit more about your family? Yeah, um, so uh, my family, well, my, my parents and their parents grew up in South Africa during the apartheid, where they were denied representation, rights, um, segregation, discrimination. And we all know that um, the Conservative Party during the time were for the regime in power, the National Party. So I think that does bear an impact. As I mentioned, I think politics is personal. That bears an impact on my opinion based upon the experiences of my parents. Uh, David Cameron went to South Africa, funded by the Conservative government, was called for Nelson Mandela to be hanged. And then um, at Mandela's funeral, he was relaying messages of what a great man he was. The hypocrisy is there for all to see. And for me especially, that made me very upset very upset, very angry. Uh, at the same time, perception changes with public and media attitude. And I think that Mandela at the time in the right-wing media during his imprisonment was slaughtered. I mean, we, we see it today, how big an impact did Rupert Murdoch have upon our last general election, you know? And um, yeah, so m my viewpoint is, my politic, if you will, my personal politics is based on that of the experiences of my family, my own experiences, and I think it's fair to say I was essentially born into the left wing. <laughs> And then despite all that, mm -hmm. can you understand why people want to leave? You know, yeah, of course I can. I mean, I think that the people who want to leave uh, are worried about immigration, which is naturally right to do so. I think that we've seen an influx of Syrian refugees fleeing their homeland based upon the horror and terror committed by ISIL, Daesh, and um, they have every right to do so. For me, that's one of the greatest trage tragedies we've seen in recent years. Um, at the same time, I can understand the awareness about bringing all these people in. Uh, it would be naive just to let them in without doing any background checks. And I'm all for checking these people out. You know, we need to be... If we, I think we should admit some of them into the nation, but we need to make sure that we're doing so with the capability to look after not only our own, but also them sufficiently. So um, there needs to be background checks. They need to make, make sure we're letting people in who are safe, who are, you know, just make, meet all of our standards, if you will. Um, I, understand, I definitely do understand the, the uh, Brexit campaigners who want to leave leave the EU based on immigration. Their concerns are valid, they're true. We think we need to discuss it further in Parliament. But I think that's all we need, just a deeply satisfying discussion. I think anything can be solved with when you have intellectual people, intelligent people, discussing a matter with open minds. 
with their opinions heard and without being overruled. I mean, recently PMQs have been an absolute joke. You know, as I saw, I believe it was a month ago or so, uh, they're making mother, your mother jokes. Cameron and Corbyn, I just think that's pitiful. These are people we elected who potentially lead the country in the next general election. But one of them is leading the country. We need a different breed of politician. We need politicians with integrity. We need politicians who, with honesty, and I think that's all we really need, just a discussion on the matter. Discussions to be taken very seriously without any agendas being involved. It's quite interesting, actually, that, because I just want to uh, backtrack a little bit on mm-hmm. your term when you were talking about uh, students saying they need to get more involved. Yeah. So, and you mentioned you had your own discussion yesterday with mm-hmm. a few of your fellow students. Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> that, that was also very interesting. I mean, um, my group of friends were quite liberal. So um, it was very, uh, it was very, it was a conversation that kind of began along the same lines. Everyone was agreeing on different perspectives, but um, it divulged into this, into this notion about sovereignty. And um, I studied Thomas Hobbes, and I'm a firm believer in, in sovereignty. I firmly believe that we surrender personal sovereignty to the Leviathan, to the greater power. In order to protect our personal and private property, uh, one of my other friends uh, he disputes this claim and thinks that that doesn't exist anymore. He thinks that it's purely financial and economical. We don't care about surrendering anything. We don't have a representation or a voice. And I, I don't stand with that kind of. I don't like that viewpoint whatsoever because I think that that takes away from Demos democracy, takes away from the principles that have been rooted since Athenian democracy. And you know that that's my viewpoint on the matter. Just to challenge that, actually, since you, one of the things you did mention was the fact that that religion doesn't play as a big a part as it does now mm-hmm. in this country, as it's a very uh, Protestant yep. now, and then you still talk about sovereignty still being a part of mm-hmm. the United Kingdom. Yep. Just explain a bit more about that, please. Uh, well, in that regard, I was referring to sovereignty without religious context. Uh, I think that with religion, it's something that's... If you look at law and policy and everything that's rooted, that, that came before... Um, Western liberal Christian ideologies are rooted in all of our Western European countries. Um, we base a lot of our living on Christian principles, love thy neighbor, love thyself, um, purely because that's what we know, we've always known. The Roman Empire adopts this constant, Constantine the Great, crowned in York, crowned himself in York as a Holy Roman Empire, brought Christianity in. And ever since then, these principles have been rooted within ourselves. I know there's been times in history where it's fluctuated. Uh, pagans, pagans have come in and seized power, uh, initially the Saxons and then the Vikings in certain parts of northern and central England. But nothing's changed. We've always been a Christian country in that regard. And I know this sounds, uh, I know there's a lot of, Britain's a Christian country is the main primary component of like a lot of BNP and far right, you know, but that's naive. There, there are Christian values and that we all live by them, but it's not obvious because we've adopted them in our law. Um, the reason why we don't go around murdering people is because we were told to do so in the Ten Commandments. You know, it's just, the, it's just the way that we've adopted these principles. In regards to sovereignty, sovereignty is something that I think doesn't need to have religious context. Hobbes was talking about sovereignty in regards to feudalism and then later on in regards to a republic. Uh, and then we see people like Rousseau come into play on during the French Revolution and Thomas Paine. I'm a big fan of Thomas Paine and Common Sense. I think it's a fantastic pamphlet that was written to challenge uh, King George III and during the American Revolution. But yeah, um, religion doesn't. Religion should be absent from politics in almost all regard. However, there are certain times when it's inevitable it will form part of political opinion, and that's that's fine in my opinion. Is there anything else you'd like to add to that? Um. <laughs> I'm tempted to ask you how what your opinion is, but obviously I know that <laughs> you have to come from an unbiased stance. Um, 
yeah, no, I just think that this is a very, very interesting time in politics. It's, it's a fantastic debate, and we, um, uh, it's, it's a cliche, but it's a once-in-a-generation thing. Um, I just encourage people, the youth especially, to go out there and inform themselves. Um, vote. Dear God, vote. We need people to vote. We need, we need to get rid of this apathetic state of being in our current generation. That's one of the things that just frustrates me amongst all else. Just, I look around and I just see so much apathy these days. You know, People are not interested in politics when these policies are going to be dictating their lives. Um, yeah, and just... just Get interested, become interested in it. I know, I know it's, it's very, um, it's, I sound imperative, but become interested in politics because it will define you. It will define your lives. Uh, housing prices is a massive issue for our generation. We need to combat that. We need to combat issues with the NHS. You know, all of this is going to be important to us. We can't stand alone. We can't be apathetic. We can't be disinterested because this is the future that we will build. You know, our generation is lucky because we were born into a world where our parents fought for us. You know, with me, I hear stories about my mother and my father. My mother got tear gas, which my dad loves telling because he then told um, my grandma, my granddad, who then stopped my mother from ever going to another protest. With me, what, what, what have I done? I've gone to a student protest against tuition fees. You know, that for me was a glorious moment in my life purely because I stood for something. And it, it's character building, it's defining. And I just would just encourage anyone, irrespective of their age, but mainly primarily younger people, just to vote, you know? Become interested in it, read the news, read um, The Economist, I think it's a fantastic publication. It's unbiased. Form your own opinion. Don't let the opinions of others weigh in on who you are as a person. That's pretty much what I have to say on the matter, because I think we need to get rid of apathy. Apathy is the greatest, greatest illness that is wounding us as a, as a generation. And my final question is, if you could tell David Cameron one thing about this topic, what would it be? One thing about this topic... I'd like to tell a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> some of them involving um, a certain pig, but... Uh, in regards to this topic, I would just tell him to seek reason. Seek reason. Purely because uh, I think it's easy to fall under peer pressure. It sounds as if I'm talking to a 12-year-old boy whose friends are encouraging him to do something naughty, but, you know, I, I would tell Cameron to seek reason, be logical, be intelligent, you know what the right thing to do is. Siobhan, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Miles.